Welcome back to Conservative Conversations. I'm your host, Reed. And I'm Frank. Today we're going to be talking about school boards versus California and affirmative action for the Senate. Let's talk about it. Before we get started, listeners, I want to remind you to please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also subscribe on YouTube to get our episodes. And if you'd like to support us directly, you can make a donation through our podcast host, Red Circle. And you'll find links for all this in the show notes and description below. And I'm going to start off with our first story. It's kind of a collection of stories. Um, They all come from California, and they're about uh, school boards, parents and school boards. Um, uh, One of the uh, first stories um, is from Temecula. California, and it regards the Temecula Valley Unified School District. Uh, They recently voted to not adopt uh, the state's uh, curriculum for elementary school, and uh, specifically elementary school, uh, because they thought some of the curriculum uh, contained uh, sexualized material and stuff like that. Things we've seen before uh, brought up at as issues at school board meetings as of late. Um, but one particular case, well, thing that makes this case interesting is that um, the parents had voiced their concerns about this curriculum uh, to the school board during their meetings. And then the school board, uh, who the board members are voted uh, or elected by the people that live in the district, uh, voted not to adopt part of the curriculum. But then Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, decides to go be a big bully. And uh, he was trying to, well, one of the things he was trying to do is, uh, well, force the school district to adopt the curriculum. And at the same time, he was trying to get the state legislature to pass like a certain bill that gives him and the state more power over enforcing curriculums. Yeah. And um, it included the ability to fine this school district like $1.5 million for not adopting the curriculum. And um, they have since uh, voted to adopt parts of the curriculum uh, with the intent to request modifications and uh, maybe change how some of the content is presented. Yeah. Um, in part to avoid the potential legal backlash from the state. And um, uh, I just thought that was an interesting case because one of the people, uh, the board members who was interviewed on uh Daily Wire's Morning Wire, which is one of my daily podcasts I listen to. Uh-huh. And she pointed out um, how, you know, the, the state's constitution, I don't think she specifically said the state's constitution, but I think uh, that's what she was referring to, um, gives local power to, like, for these types of school uh, district issues. And you know, since the 
you know, the board voted, uh, like, according to the will of the, the people that elected them. Yeah. They, their choice to not implement the curriculum should be upheld. Uh, but, of course, Governor Newsom doesn't see it that way. They think, well, he thinks these board members and the parents are extremists for not wanting to implement uh, certain uh, curriculum instructions. Right. But I think the current status of the situation, like I said a minute ago, is that uh, the school did decide to adopt parts of the curriculum, and they plan to make appeals and modifications to it. And um, I think some of those appeals include, like, uh, you know, just appeals to the fact that the, the state's trying to force them to adopt the curriculum, maybe like lawsuits like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, so to move to the next school, uh, there is um, an issue in, I believe it's Chino, California, in the Chino Valley Unified School District. And um, this one got a little bit rowdy. I'll have to put some links in the... Uh, show notes to some clips um but one of the issues at this particular uh meeting had to do with adopting a school district policy where if uh, a student is exhibiting behaviors of like uh transitioning or whatever like that yeah that the parents must be notified uh about it uh-huh well Tony Thurman, a fellow who works for the state government of California, I think he's some sort of superintendent, he showed up to this meeting to speak against adopting that policy and because some of the words he, things he said was because it, it will harm children and some children aren't safe at home and won't be safe at home if the school adopts the policy where they have to notify the parents of this kind of stuff. But he was there speaking at the, the meeting, and he ran over his one-minute allotted speaking time. Yeah. And then he tried to come back and speak some more, and from what it seems like, one of the board members, who, uh, again, from what it seems like in the context of the video, must have used to work uh, at on the state level of some sort because uh-huh. uh, she kind of calls them out and says uh, if if they were to do something like this in Sacramento they would be shut out of the, the meeting and stuff like that and uh, it's quite uh, quite an interesting video um, and I, my like o- yeah my overall point is that um, you know particularly in California it's kind of interesting to see this happening because um earlier in the summer background pride month there's right. this story of the i believe glendale school district um where a lot of the the parents came out and protested against some of the, the stuff that they're teaching there and some of the books that they have in the school libraries which has been an issue that we have even covered before uh think it's been a while i wasn't prepared to mention it so i'm not sure what episode it is uh-huh. but right uh i believe the title does mention 
Books in school. That's yeah. the first part. Books, of it. books in school. school. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we there's been quite a few um, recent instances of parents and even the school board members themselves starting to speak out against these uh, LGBT issues in the class curriculum. And uh, I think it might be one of those sleeper issues in the election next year because a lot of parents aren't happy with what some of these schools have been doing. Well, and we've seen how big that issue can be. Mm -hmm. Like um, Glenn Youngkin's race was big on education at the time Mm -hmm. that he won his. So, I mean, voters do care about that issue. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, anyway, does that take me over to... Um, yeah, I guess pretty much. Yeah, that's all I really had to say is uh, I think it's interesting, for one, and good to see these uh, events happening at the school boards, the parents and some of the members speaking up, speaking up themselves and you know, taking action against or to the states where they're trying to cram the stuff down on them. That's right. Taking it to the streets. (laughs) Right. And the the last thing I'll add is this board member that the Daily or the Morning Wire interviewed made a really good point, which is the founders designed the Constitution to give local control. Right. And that's what they're fighting for in their school district. Yeah. But, yep, that's all I got for my stories, my first set of stories. All right. Well, that's interesting that you should mention some of those names. Be talking about California and talk about mm-hmm. Governor Nuisance. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, because apparently, I just saw that apparently Diane Feinstein mm-hmm. uh, surrendered power of attorney to her daughter. Oh. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard this yet either. And uh, this comes in the wake at least for me, of just seeing video of her. She, like, stalled out in Congress the other day. They were just... She was just supposed to vote aye or nay Mm -hmm. on something, and she starts giving a whole big speech. I gathered you all here today so we could talk about blah, 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 and they're telling her, just say aye. Mm -hmm. Just say aye, you know? And she starts laughing, and she's like, oh, well, aye. (laughs) Oh, goodness. It is awkward, okay? I'm sure. But she, you know, her mental state has been declining for a mm-hmm. while. I think right. it goes back to like 2020. People have been asking questions yeah. about her. It's definitely been fitness. increasing as of lately. Yeah. And um, anyway, I guess around discussions of replacing her, uh, Gavin Newsom has said that if he gets an opportunity, like, should Diane step down Mm -hmm. and he gets the chance to appoint somebody, he's already basically said that he would appoint uh, Representative Barbara Lee, basically. Uh And she's already said that she would accept the appointment by Newsom. And he's definitely said that it's going to be a black woman, just like the way... Um, Biden, Biden did with his Supreme Court. Yeah, with Katanji Jackson. Supreme mm-hmm. Court. I think I fudged it up. <laughs> yeah, with that Supreme Court pick. And you know, this is interesting because this all comes in the wake of the um, 
you know, recent Supreme Court hearing against Harvard, right? Mm-hmm. That says that you can't judge these things based on uh, race, racial mm-hmm. demographic or whatever. Um, and I think it's also going to be interesting because not only do they sort of have these side bets going on where, you know, Newsom's already planning on who he he'll, he might put in if he mm-hmm. gets the power. People are always already planning, well, I'm really in with Newsom, so mm-hmm. if, if he gets the opportunity, maybe he'll pick me. And then there's other people like Schiff. Uh, you yeah. remember old Schiff for Pencil neck, as tropical. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's even scheming. Uh-huh. He's scheming the other way. He's sort of hoping that if Feinstein can stick it out till 2024 when her term uh, ends, he's gonna run. he'll run mm-hmm. for it. And he's been out fundraising mm-hmm. a lot of other Democrats, both in his state and nationally, other mm. Democrats who are thinking of running. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's raised something like $30 million so wow. far. For, for some kind of effort, 2024 run. <clears throat> so I just think that's interesting that they're already planning, you know, it's going to be a diverse hire. It's going to be a black woman. It's mm-hmm. going to be this. Of course. It's going to be that. <clears throat> and even this article that I've, I've read in preparation to this, it even says, like, it's biased, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because it says some white guy, if it says if Feinstein remains in her seat until 2024, some white guy like Schiff might be able to squeeze in to the position uh-huh. when it's supposed to be a diversity hire or whatever. It's been promised as being a diversity hire. Right. So I just think that's interesting because if you remember when the Supreme Court decision came down, we even said in that episode where we were reacting to it, I wonder if other such things are going to be challenged. Right, If yeah. the validity of such things are going to be challenged. Well, it seems to me like there's hope. Because I saw in another article by the Daily Caller that there's some kind of group called the American Alliance of Equal Rights. Hmm. Okay? okay? And they've launched a new lawsuit that's challenging a venture capital firm who's running or been running a grant program called the Fearless Fund, Hmm. which awards $20,000 grants quarterly to small businesses founded specifically by black women. That's their Hmm. entry. They they only are seeking female black applicants. Mm -hmm. That's their pool. They restrict it to all other people, and they will certainly only award it to black female businesses that's their thing that's what they're giving out the twenty thousand dollars for well this group's trying to challenge it and saying that it's a racially discriminatory contract and that it shouldn't be legal or valid because it's racially discriminatory in nature in in Mm. you know you get what i'm saying yeah so they're challenging that And they're also seeking a temporary restraining order and injunction barring them from continuing to award the award or or give out the award. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting. I don't know exactly where it'll go. It seems to me like it's a private company giving away funds. Yeah, exactly. I know, right? But I don't know. We've said, I wonder if anybody will challenge this types Mm -hmm. of stuff. And here, apparently, 
people are. They're right. gonna go running around challenging it. So well, it'll be interesting I mean, to see what sticks. Yeah, and what doesn't. I think there's definitely going to be trial and error to figure out what what the new lines are for stuff like that. Right. But yeah, it does sound like that is a private company who's offering these scholarships. The well, they're grants. Oh, grants. Okay. That's the thing that I don't understand. I don't know if the government is somehow involved. Like oh. maybe they give the company this money or what. I need uh-huh. to look a little bit more into that. But okay. Well, and if that it says it's a venture capital firm mm-hmm. that's running a grant program, so I don't know what that means. Maybe well, it they seems just to me if it. they do partner with the government, then I guess whoever's trying to sue them does have. Well, I mean, I'm no lawyer. I didn't study law, right, but it right, seems right. to me they have a little bit more standing if the government is, you know, a partner in this program. Yeah. Is like second hand, right. only giving it to black women. Right. But if it's just this company on their own, raising their own funds, however they do it, and providing the funds to their applicants without the government, then it seems okay to me. Yeah. It's free association. I mean, I mean go find you a, a, a venture capital firm giving out these grants for poor Appalachian white people. I'm sure there might be something like that. I mean, that's the presumably the whole beauty of the market. There's probably something out there that would meet your need. But uh, yeah, that is interesting. Bringing it back to the whole California thing, uh, it definitely doesn't surprise me that he, Gavin Newsom, would essentially promise that it's going to be a black black lady that he's going to pick. And also going back to the Diane Feinstein thing. One, it doesn't really make sense to me who, whoever is convincing her to hold to stay in there, why they would do that. Because Gavin Newsom does get to pick her replacement until the next election, and it's going to be a Democrat. So what would the Democrat Party and the Senate, Senate Democrats be afraid of uh, to have Diane Feinstein finally give up her seat? I don't know. I just think some of them just won't relinquish power. Right. I mean, well, that I mean, it still goes to it's it's kind of a common thing right now with the Democrat Party, and to some extent the Republican Party. But the other Democrat example is Fetterman. He's still in the Senate. Fetter woman. <laughs> That's right. He said it himself. He is Fetter woman. Fetter woman. But yeah, they he. There's no real good reason why he should still be in the Senate. He's, and again, we've talked about this before. No offense to the man, he had a he had a stroke for crying out loud. I mean, I know, but he, he can't is, help it. He is a puppet. He is a yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the rudest and truest part. Right. About the whole thing is he's just a puppet. Right, and it's, she, I mean, with some of them, it's obvious. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And in some cases, like at least for me. I kind of feel bad for him because you you would think their friends and family would want better for them. Right. Because part of the whole suspicion of why Fetterman was in the hospital for a while being treated for depression is because he doesn't really have the capacity to perform his duty in the Senate the way he needs to. So that's going to cause some, you know... Cognitive distance and 
you know, make somebody feel depressed and inadequate and such like that. Right. So it's it's terrible that um, you know some of these people surrounding these politicians uh, don't seem to want uh, what's actually good good for them. And then to the Republican example, we recently saw uh, Mitch yep. McConnell have a little scare uh, where he kind of froze up right when he was about to give a speech. And people weren't sure what was going on. Well, and he looked cold and clammy mm. um, to me right. from what I saw. But he didn't look good. Mm. He looked very pallid is the word, mm-hmm. you know, very pale and unwell. Right. Yeah, it was kind of hard for me to listen to, uh, especially, you know, maybe had I not known what was going to be happening, it, it probably wouldn't have, but, you know, being told beforehand when somebody's about to play a clip that here's Mitch McConnell talking and all of a sudden he freezes up, nobody's sure what's going on at first, it's kind of scary. But uh, I guess my main point to get, get to it is all these old politicians need to start retiring yeah young blood we need some young yeah, blood exactly um is that all you got for your one well yeah i mean i guess the way to end it would be to say it doesn't all need to be racially charged yeah either uh-huh. right. it should be organic right <clears throat> i mean like even if newsom does just pick a, a black woman to pick a black woman she's only going to be there until 2024 exactly so what's the big deal you can still have shift run and apparently if he's raising all this money it kind of seems like either it's californians or somebody yeah somebody really wants some elected versus barbara lee you say yeah barbara lee uh at least it's not uh what's her name but she's in the senate uh not senate the house i mean uh uh from los angeles area uh, when you see them at the gasoline stations. Oh, yeah. What the heck's her name? She's Water. a nut. Water? Maxine. Maxine Waters. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. She's a nut. Even for right. the land of nuts <laughs> and fruits. Yeah, in California. Uh-huh. She's a nut. Yeah, but oh, well, I guess we'll see in due time how this all shakes out. The whole California Senate seat. The... Uh, uh, affirmative action almost forgot what it was called <laughs> yeah the uh, potential yeah affir- affirmative action exactly yep. but uh with that we'll move to my next topic which um is about uh sort of a combination it's about the border and um fentanyl and drug overdoses um i was listening to another fox news rundown uh, podcast and the anchor Jessica Rosenthal was interviewing a fella by the name of Dr. Raul Gupta who is um what is his title hold on here okay he is President Biden's head of national drug control policy um so he kind of sounds like a, maybe a cabinet member I don't really know because uh, I was expecting, uh, like, his title to say, like, what department he's in. He's just the head of some policy. But anyway, she, they were talking about um, uh, the fentanyl issue in combination with the, the border. Um, and uh, 
One of the things that uh, Jessica points out in the beginning is in 2021, there were 106,000 deaths by overdose in America, which is a lot, Um, especially if you want to compare to, I want to say it's the 30-something thousand that the libs like to talk about that die from gun violence each year. How many people died from drugs? 106,000 in 2021. Wow. Yeah. Um, And um, they kind of go on with their conversation, and there's a couple of things that uh, this Dr. Dr. Gupta says that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, uh, One of the things that they mention is or Jessica asks is if Dr. Gupta thinks the administration is doing enough at uh, the border to help control uh, the flow of fentanyl and other drugs. And Dr. Gupta brags that uh, they have his uh, this administration has seized 45,000 pounds of fentanyl. Uh, he doesn't specify, so I assume that probably means during Biden's entire administration so far because then he says compared to only a third of that for the previous administration uh-huh. so I guess 15,000 pounds and that stands out to me because oh I don't think I clarified that they seized this this 45,000 pounds at the border right okay well at the ports of entry you right yeah. yes and it would seem to me, Dr. Gupta, if you're listening, that of course you're going to seize more drugs when you have more people coming across the border. Right. right. So to, because he kind of claims this is like an achievement to have seized right. that right. much, which I guess is good that they're, they are seizing it, but he's bragging about seizing more compared to the previous administration. You make uh, a good point. Yeah. I mean, logically, you're just dealing right. with a higher volume, period. Yeah. So. Now, so, I mean, I don't know how or what stats you would try to look at to really compare them. Because I guess you'd want to have to try to break it down, like, per thousand or hundred thousand people that have crossed the border or something like that to get a better comparison. But just the statistic he's providing on his face, like I said, to me, it makes me just think, well, of course you're going to have more seizures because we got more people coming across the right, border. Right. And then there's another number he throws out, a uh, stat that he throws out that uh, I find a little funny on its face. And again, there, you know, with more context, it could make a little bit more sense. But um, he says, Dr. Gupta says, only 2% a personal vehicle traffic was being scanned for drugs coming through the ports of entry during the previous administration. And he says that's not acceptable to him or Joe Biden. Yeah, 2% definitely does not sound like a lot of vehicle traffic that's being scanned through the ports of entry for drugs. But I would also question, um, or it makes me question, especially if that's not an acceptable number. Um, what would be acceptable 
And to reach that acceptable number, is it required that we break people's constitutional rights? Because maybe only 2% of vehicles were scanned because they only had 2% of the vehicles with probable, co- probable cause to scan them. Right. Now, maybe I'm ignorant of the law and they don't need probable cause to scan the vehicles, but it seems like that could be an issue. Which, again, is why I said maybe with some more context, maybe this 2% stat would make a little bit more sense. But it almost, I mean, to me, especially when they say that's not an acceptable number, it's, it seems like, uh, well, it seems like they, they just want to increase the number to increase the number to, like, be a quota, regardless of what other issues may uh, be at play. It's interesting. Um, let me see if I had any other notes. They probably do see it more as like a quota system, wouldn't you think? Say like, that again. I said they probably would see it more of like wanting to have a quota. Because mm-hmm. then yeah. they just have to do the minimum. Right. Just meet their quota and they're mm-hmm. done. You know? Right. <clears throat> yeah. Um, exactly. I, I think that's a good point. Uh, but that's all the main notes I had on it. Um and I'll try to link to this particular episode. It's the second story that is in the episode. And I thought it was a really good job that Jessica Rosenthal pressed Dr. Gupta twice on the fact that, you know, given that there's been so many uh, migrants coming across the border, do they really think they're doing enough to control it and to help? Uh, control the amount of drugs that are coming through. Um, he gave some kind of wishy-washy answer the first time, and probably the second time too. But I just thought it was, you know, good for her being a good reporter, trying to press them on that issue. Yeah, because it is a problem. Uh, and you know, I didn't really plan to talk about immigration itself too much, but I have heard in a couple recent other episodes of uh, the podcast I listened to. That uh, you know, the administration is trying to claim that the immigration has been decreasing, or particularly illegal immigration has been decreasing. But what they really have done is created these um, parole programs for certain countries. I don't really understand what all they entail. Mm-hmm. But essentially what's happening is they get enrolled into these programs and... It basically goes from, you know, they're not counted as illegal immigrants anymore because they're going through this program. It's a legal process program. Right. So by pushing them into this program, it makes it look like the illegal immigration numbers have gone down. But they haven't. But uh, I guess that's all I got. Um, uh, I'm trying to see if I can wrap up and put a point on it because I know sometimes I'm not always that good at doing it. Um, uh yeah, it, uh, hopefully, uh, if this administration doesn't correct the problem, which I don't think they will, or else they would have done it by now, Yeah. Uh, our next president, whoever it might be, will uh, help solve, or not solve, because I don't think it's anything that can really be solved, but uh, help control the issue, I suppose, is a good way to put it. Yeah. But, but who knows? Time will tell. Yes, it shall. And that's all I got. All right, well, um, for my last point, 
I came across an article um, in the National Review on their website, anyway. Um, and it sort of is a question about whether or not Congress has the con- constitutional authority for oversight and what you might call regulation of the Supreme Court. And, you know, some interesting things are coming to a head because, um, you know, they've been going after uh, Justice Thomas mm-hmm. quite a bit, as yeah. we've talked about on the channel. And some of, for some of his relations with, uh, you know, some of these donors uh-huh. and stuff and uh, so on and so forth. And then apparently they've also had issues with Samuel Alito. Mm-hmm. And are you familiar with some of those? Because I don't have, like, great notes on them. I wasn't um, going to spend a lot of time about no, it. No, I mean, I'm, I would say I'm slightly more familiar with the claims about Thomas. Right, right. Um, but Well, apparently there have been some with Alito, too. And mm. I just remember reading, just generally speaking, something about how, you know, he might, like, sit for certain interviews mm. While he's hearing certain cases and maybe he'll say certain mm-hmm. things that they take as inappropriate or something like that. Yeah, um, They've had some issues with Alito is the point. They, yeah, and supposedly Sotomayor's had some issues like that too. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, anyway, um, the Senate Judiciary Committee, the Democrats on the Senate mm-hmm. Judiciary Committee anyway, um, they sent a letter to John Roberts and they're demanding that Alito recuse himself from there some sort of uh, I don't know a case about some legislation that they have proposed, which uh, let's see the Democratic uh, the Democrats on the committee are pushing a bill that would require Supreme Court justices to adopt a code of conduct and other laws. Uh, to improve disclosure and transparency when a justice has connection to a party or amicus before the court, as well as requiring justices to explain their recusal decisions to the public from now on. So they're proposing this legislation. Hmm. And I guess it's being sued about and everything. And they, they sent a letter saying that John Roberts needs to make Alito recuse himself because Alito has answered publicly. He like sat for some kind of interview again or something like that. And he says that Congress did not create the Supreme court. No provision in the constitution gives them the power to regulate, regulate the Supreme court period. He Hmm. says, which is interesting. You know, I, I had just read that and I'm thinking, what? They didn't create the Supreme court. So who did? Yeah. <laughs> who did create the Supreme Court? What do you mean? Who created the Constitution? Who uh, created it? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? I mean, that does sound a bit wacky, and even if it is, I, I fail to see why he needs to recuse himself for having some wacky legal theory, particularly. I don't see why he needs to recuse himself either, but it just seems interesting. Uh-huh. It's almost like he's saying, no, Congress cannot regulate us they can't do anything Hmm. congress didn't make us up congress didn't organize us and it's like well somebody did okay there's an article to the constitution that carves out how the judiciary is set up Mm -hmm. right but 
it also outlays a process by which the Constitution can be amended, right? Mm-hmm. And how is that? That would be through an act of Congress or through the several states, uh-huh. right? right? You know the amendment process to yeah. the Constitution. So if the Constitution can be changed by an act of Congress, doesn't it make sense that Congress is the source, the originating source for the document and right. all subsequent changes to the document? Seems like it to me. What well, makes sense to me. And Keegan jumped into it. I just find this whole thing interesting because I don't, theoretically, I would agree with Alito every day of the week. Mm-hmm. But on this one, I don't. And right. Keegan jumped into it and made headlines. And she says, she was out in Portland doing oh, something. Uh-huh. I don't know. She's on some kind of conference, and judicial conference in Portland. Mm. And she, in an interview, said, it can't be that the court is the only institution that somehow is not subject to checks and balances from anybody else. Right, because that sounds like the issue right now that is happening over in Israel. Yeah, she says we're not imperial. Congress can regulate various aspects, funding, structure, composition. Uh, She says Congress has made changes to the court's appellate jurisdiction before, Mm -hmm. etc., Right. So, I mean, there's there's like a historical record for changes yeah. to the court. Right. Over, I mean, since 1776. <laughs> <clears throat> right. I mean, they've changed how many justices have been on the court. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that is quite, quite interesting. It's interesting, <laughs> yeah, isn't very, it? Yeah. And he's like, Congress has no right <laughs> You're getting old, uh, Samuel. Something's going on there. I know. I usually like him a lot. I think he's a great guy, but I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit out there. Mm-hmm. He needs to check his uh, congressional or his constitutional theory. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, his judicial privilege. <laughs> I check his judicial privilege. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's uh, that's a new one. I don't think I've heard that before, actually. <laughs> I know. Me, I, we should both take a shot. Me agreeing with Kagan. Like, what's going on? <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Roberts does somehow make him recuse himself. I'd be silly if he did. Because, I mean, how is it any more wacky of an idea than what some of the liberal justices believe? I mean, you got one on the court that wouldn't even tell uh, what's Miss Marsha Blackburn, senator from Tennessee, what a woman is. Right. And they're going to make Samuel Alito recuse himself because he's got some odd theory. Doesn't make sense. I don't don't see it really happening. I mean, John Roberts is not uh, the most conservative guy on the bench, but... He also is not the worst one, so I don't see him folding to this. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it just like I said, it was interesting, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I just brought yeah, it up. Yeah, definitely. Just to have a interesting conservative conversation. Exactly. <laughs> That's what our show is. Yep. And with that, is that all you got? Yes, it is. All right. Well, folks, if you enjoyed this conservative conversation... Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify. I believe we got some good listens on iHeartRadio. 
and you can find us on many other platforms. You can also find the audios on YouTube. You can find the links to those in the description. And if you'd like to support us directly with a donation, you can do that through our podcast host, Red Circle. Again, we got links for that in the show notes and description below. Yes, and wherever you're listening to us, I hope that you will like us, share us, um, you know, give us that thumbs up on YouTube if you're watching there. Uh, Share with a friend or two using the share button. And as always, thanks for listening.